You're sure you don't want to try the gulf cleaner? It's very expensive. Perhaps you can't afford it. For instance, this little bottle costs a thousand dollars. A thousand dollars? Are all your prices like that? Some are, some aren't. Yeah, but that, that thing that's going to make Leela love me. Oh, that. That's only a dollar. A dollar? Love potions are my cheapest item. And they're overpriced at that. We're going to go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome back to Strange Highways. I hope you guys didn't spend too much time in Willoughby. I am Paul. And I'm Kevin. And we're here to talk about The Chaser, uh, which um, don't know how Kevin feels about this episode, but I'm going to say that I think this is one, one of my favorites of the season. That I'm just going to spoil that right now. Um, I had no expectation of what this episode was. I Everything about it charmed me. So I fell in love with The Chaser. All right, I'm not, I'm not going to telegraph my feelings yet. So, <laughs> but I did offer you a drink earlier, so we'll find out if you really like this episode later. Well, you know, you know, it's funny. As I was watching this episode, I was taking pre-workout supplements, <laughs> and uh, I was mixing it into the water as I was watching this. And I was like, "Oh man, I hope I grabbed the right thing off the shelf." Right? Because you just <laughs> you don't want to be like you know this this uh. <laughs> this treadmill, I could just run on it forever, you know. Like, I just, you know, I just had this weird urge to, uh, to rub Rod Serling's feet. I don't know, <laughs> and just, and just sit at his, to sit at his feet, you know. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we'll, like, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get more into that here in a second. Uh, also, teaser. I feel like this is going to be a very, uh, uh, much more informational episode because thanks to Kevin pointing this out to me, we were recently at the the Cinema Wasteland Convention in Strongsville, Ohio. And there was a vendor there that had two Twilight Zone books for sale. And I'm just going to mention them right now. Uh, it's the Twilight Zone Companion, second edition by Mark Scott Zakri, And the Twilight Zone Unlocking the Door to a Television Classic by Martin Grams Jr. And these are both awesome compendiums about the Twilight Zone. So there's actually details in here that we did not get from IMDb and Wikipedia. Very nice. So yeah, and I uh, I successfully did not buy the shirt yet again that <laughs> I was talking about last episode. Um, th- there was another booth that had some of the original series music for like $40 or something on vinyl. I, I just couldn't bring myself to spend the money. What if the vinyl itself looked like the, like the eyeball or the like the spinning like spiral? Like would that would that have convinced you maybe to get it? Uh, maybe, but I don't know. I don't know if that would make it sound any better. <laughs> it wouldn't, but it'd be neat, you know, to, to see that. Um, it is a selling point now. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, I'm going to, uh, there's, uh, I want to mention some of the stuff out of the book when we get these books, when we get there. Um, it's like, 
I had to stop myself from reading like ahead, if that makes sense, because it's like I wanted to keep reading about everything, but I don't want to ruin the episodes to come. So I still have some some reading to do about the previous stuff we did, but I now I'm wanting to feel like I was inferior this entire time. So I apologize to everybody <laughs> that I just feel like now now I can talk about it, you know. Yeah, it's all right. Standing we're, on the shoulders of learning. people. Yeah. Standing on the shoulders of people that actually took their time to write all this stuff. I'm just going to be thumb through it and be like, yeah, I'm smart. I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, air date was May 13th, 1960. Number one song, Stuck on You by Elvis Presley. Number one film, Please Donate the Daisies. That's going to stick around for a bit longer. Um, I uh, Did I actually find? Uh, oh, you know what? I didn't find something that happened on this day. I was so excited by the books, I didn't actually do uh, day and date for an event. So well, I searched for anything, and there was nothing really noteworthy to tie into this episode. So okay. you're okay. Good, because <laughs> I, I did I did know uh, in the, one of the books here, they actually give the production budget for each episode. And, I, and I'm not going to go through and mention that unless it's something like, exorbitant, because it looks like these were all averaging like around between fifty and $60,000. But I just want to tell you, this episode in particular, Chaser, was $40,000. I shot an arrow into the air, was $59,000. Oh, son of a bitch. Right? Like, because. <laughs> like, um, they went to a desert. <laughs> I know. And put a bunch of saran wrap on people and called it a. Uh, uh, God, that makes they, me mad. They didn't even give them water. Like, they didn't even take the money to buy water. So I don't know what costs so much. And when yeah. I feel like this episode. Yeah, and this, this yeah. episode has some really memorable. Uh, set pieces and stuff so i that's that's infuriating yeah just gotta give credit to uh douglas hayes which we've we've talked about his directing style already on this <laughs> yeah absolutely so i thought i just wanted to point that out to you because it's like it it cost a third less and i feel like this episode did a lot more you know and in terms of yeah. maybe not story but just like it it bleeded uh, ble- bleeded it bled like cool <laughs> like it, it bled style like and i and i, and I loved it um, yeah. but yeah, that's the, so anyway, let's just get into, uh, like casting crew and pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this, this episode had a weird teleplay history. It's based on a real short story by John Collier. I'm going to say that's how you pronounce it. Um, it was a really, really short story. Um, I, I mean it, the short story only takes place in the first three minutes of what this episode does. So it's kind of interesting what he does with it. I'll talk about it later on as we get into the plot. Um, then there's a teleplay written by Robert Presnell Jr., who wrote the teleplay for a TV show in the 50s called The Billy Rose Show. It was written for two people. And uh, it was more of like a stage play of the short story. So the Twilight Zone producer ended up buying the teleplay and the rights to the short story for like a couple thousand dollars. And they ended up using that. Now, there's a speculation that Rod Serling touched up the teleplay, but he's not credited anywhere as that. So who knows? But uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and noteworthy, this is the only episode this season that wasn't written by Serling, Matheson, or uh, Charles Beaumont. Yeah, and uh, you're right. Like that, uh, the history of this, of who owned the rights, it, w- it was really complicated. Um, but I know that Serling liked this so much that he waived his normal like story credit or not story credit, but like writing charge. Yeah. And he only took a supervision charge. So there was like $2,500 there and then some other additional monies that went towards making sure that they got the story. 
And I thought that was interesting that it just shows also like I shot an arrow under the air that if he likes something, he, he, he will find a way to get it to happen. You yeah. know? So yeah, it was interesting. Well, you can definitely see it's, it's a timeless story. It's, the short story is basically a frame, so you can take what he came up with and you can pretty much do anything with it. And I'll talk later about another series that did something with the story that is I, I actually like the other thing more than this episode. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that at the end, though. OK, and this episode was directed by our friend Douglas Hayes, who directed and when the sky was opened and elegy. And he did a few other ones later on in the series. But uh, go back to those. We talk about him a little bit more in depth. Yeah. So odd thing about this. So, again, I'm going to uh, point to these books that uh, makes me sound a lot smarter. Uh, uh-huh. So uh, Douglas Hayes, who uh, he's going to be directing the After Hours here soon. And, like, we'll get to that. And it's an iconic episode of The Twilight Zone. Um, yeah. He had proved himself sufficient in the eyes of uh, um, Houghton. Uh, with the one producer in Serling, I think it's oh, how, Buck uh, Houghton. Buck Houghton, yeah. yeah. Uh, with Elegy, that he was hired to do two more episodes. So this one and uh, After Hours. He was made available by his agency as a result of Richard L. Bear's plane accident from the like uh, right after the Purple Testament, which we talked oh. about. So if it wasn't for that plane crash into the water, uh, Hayes wouldn't have had two more episodes because they were going to offer up uh, Bear as the director. I thought that was kind of interesting that there's actually a real, real world, uh, you know, like thing that we talked about that rippled out, no pun intended, to cause like this to happen and also the after hours to be, you know, directed and people love that episode. And I'm glad he got the got the opportunity because we discussed in both of those previous episodes that there were moments of genius within the direction of those episodes. And I feel like this one and especially after hours, he secures a place as being one of the best directors in the series. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, it's, I, I thought that was uh, interesting just cause you know, life, it happens and, and things, you know, things change. So good yeah. old Douglas Hayes. Yeah. I, I don't want to see, th- I don't want to say thankfully he got it cause, <laughs> that's yeah, cause, bad, there, cause there's a plane crash and yeah, we know that the, we know the actor and um, the director survived, but we don't know if anybody else survived. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good. Good on them. All right. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll jump into the cast. We have John McIntyre, who plays Professor A. Damon, uh, also known as the Love Demon. That's what I like to call him. Um, he was... Uh, let me make myself laugh. He was... Uh, only episode of Twilight Zone he was in. Um, was in Psycho. He was a voice in Fox and the Hound. And then I wrote down Turner and Hooch. I'm not sure if... That was actually listed under him. But. Yeah, that was his final film. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. All right. Good. Um, <laughs> interesting thing about him, other than the fact that this guy, I, he he was he was amazing, and we'll get more into that. Uh, he has the distinction of twice replacing main characters in primetime TV westerns. Like he took over a major role in Wagon Train and The Virginian whenever both um, actors that played parts had passed away suddenly. So mm-hmm. like he like he became like the brother of a character or something like, but. But these ended up like I looked at them, and it wasn't like Wagon Train stopped that season or the Virginian stopped that season. Like they went on for three or four more seasons with him in a main supporting role, and I thought that was uh, interesting. And he was also in Cloak and Dagger. Just want to point that out because uh, anytime you get to mention Dabney Coleman being a spy, you just want to want to mention that because he was one of the old people that were the spies that the kid was talking to. There was that old couple in the movie. He was he was the old man. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, next up, we have Patricia Berry, who plays Leela. 
She was in one other Twilight Zone episode and the Twilight Zone movie. She makes a small appearance. Yeah. She's in the one the one section that, that creeps me out. And if we ever get to talk about the movie, I'll just tell you how much that part of that movie disturbed me as a child. <laughs> I, I know which one you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next up, we have George Grizzard, who plays Roger Shackleforth. Those are names right there. Uh, this guy was, he considered himself mainly a stage actor. He was actually a Tony-nominated Broadway actor. Um, and he did tons of work. He did a lot of film work, but he never really considered himself a film actor. Yeah, um, I could see that. From the way he carried himself, too, and we'll get more into this, too, I liked his performance. Yeah, a lot of episode. his facial expressions were real big. You know, it, it's the kind of things that you would do on stage to get your <laughs> character across to a crowd. Um, yeah, I, I, I liked him in this as well. But yeah, he worked up until he died in 2007. His last credit was in Clint Eastwood's Flags of Our Fathers. So he worked up until I think he was like 74 or wow. 79 or something. Yeah, I just noticed that he was in Bachelor Party, the Tom Hanks comedy. Yeah, I was I was going to mention that one. <laughs> I love <laughs> I that movie. That off. Yeah. Oh, I just I mean, I'm surprised constantly at what kind of random crap we bring in associated with Twilight Zone and Bachelor Party. Never thought I'd bring that in, but I love yeah. that movie. Yeah, and then he was in one other episode of The Twilight Zone later on, I think, in, like, season four. Uh, the only other person I put down was J. Pat O'Malley, who plays the old man Humberg in the beginning. Uh, he was in three other Twilight Zone episodes, and he was a fairly big voice actor. He did a lot of Disney work. Yeah, he uh, did a lot of voicing, particularly in uh, Alice in Wonderland. He was yeah. Tweedledum and Tweedledee and a couple other characters in that in that movie. Um, I, I first I thought it was Alfred Hitchcock when I saw him show up and I was like, that's amazing. And I realized that's not Alfred Hitchcock, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, there are a few other people I was flipping through their stuff and all I found was Johnny Midnight. So <laughs> yes, um, no, no, the only other thing I had here was, uh, uh, was a Marjorie Bennett, uh, Marjorie Bennett. She was the old woman at the beginning that had the one good line. She's in a couple other episodes, Twilight Zone and in one episode of Night Gallery. So they must have liked her to keep her around. And then the blonde woman, who had also a good line as well, she's still alive, still working. And I just want to mention she was in an episode of Quantum Leap. That's I just wanted to bring that up because I love that that show as well. So that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. Um, All right. So let's let uh, Rod take it away. Mr. Roger Shackleforth, age youthful 20s. Occupation, being in love. Not just in love, but madly, passionately, illogically, miserably, all-consumingly in love. With a young woman named Leela who has a vague recollection of his face and even less than a passing interest. In a moment, you'll see a switch, because Mr. Roger Shackleforth, the young gentleman so much in love, will take a short but very meaningful journey into the Twilight Zone. I love just I love the jazzy intro music behind him. Yeah, um, I, I like all the jazzy uh, score to this episode. Yeah, so a, good. I was a big fan. It adds a really good atmosphere to it. And you know, occupation is in love. I think he's occupation is he's a stalker. You know, I, yeah. I feel like I feel like the fifties kind of like painted over like obsession a little differently than we view it today. Yeah, th there's a few questionable things happening in this episode. <laughs> we'll get into. I'm sure. Yeah, so I mean, the what you hear in the intro there is the the uh, the payphone being constantly dialed and dialed and dialed, and he's trying to get a hold of Leela, and she's not picking up. And there's a line at the the phone booth, 
and that's whenever um, you know uh, Alfred Hitchcock shows up and says he has to make a phone call. <laughs> Um, and he's just like, listen, I got to get in this phone booth and then I can't get out because uh, someone's going to shoot me, you know, cause I'm Alfred Hitchcock. Um, and, and so the, I was surprised that the, the beginning interaction there, even though it led to what went on in the episode, they gave those characters a moment, uh, the three people waiting in line for the phone. And I, I, the, that was the moment I was like, this episode's going to be awesome. Whenever the old man's trying to get to the front of the, the line to use the phone and he's paying yeah. off everybody. I love well, that. I, I- I like they kind of make Homburg uh, the old man, uh, Alfred Hitchcock, as you refer to him. Uh, they make him it. They make it feel like he's going to be a bigger part of the episode. Yeah. Than he actually is. But he does have a big role because he's the one that sets the whole thing into motion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you feel like he's going to have some other role later on just because they give him so much time. And uh, yeah, so he cuts a he cuts in front in line. I love he's buying the people off in line waiting for the phone with I'll give you a dollar to take your spot. And he gets to the front of the line and the uh, old woman, he offers her a dollar and she's like, well, why should being next in line be the same as being third in line? <laughs> he's like, oh, fine, two dollars. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was great. And yeah, then was there was amazing. there was a the terrible joke that um the blonde girl made too. I forget what it was. Um, something about, uh, I, I forget. And she made just a terrible joke and it was so wonderful that like, I don't know. It just, it was a different vibe that just, I have not seen in a Twilight Zone episode. And I guess it's probably the best way to, to describe this episode. That's different. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can agree with that. Um, so he finally gets up there and, uh, he hears Roger is on the phone. He finally gets a hold of Leela and she basically tells him to stop calling her and, uh, <laughs> leave her alone. So uh, he's he's going to try and call her back, and Homburg's like, no, 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 no. Give me the phone. Here's a card for this man. He can help you. Yeah. And uh, it's real random. <laughs> well, it almost feels like a brush off. Like, no, no, just call this guy. It's fine. You know, like, I just whatever whatever I got to put in your hand to make you stop like using this phone, I'm going to give it to you right now, you know? Uh, so that's what it kind of felt like was just a complete brush off. But I just want to point out, I love the first time you see Leela how the camera moves from the phone up to her and then she's just like completely being like all in her little nightgown lying on the bed eating bonbons or whatever and then she's just like i'm terribly busy why are you calling me and it's just it was such a good introduction to like he he's fat infatuated with her and she does not care at all you know yeah and, well the camera does this cool thing where it kind of does this little twist from the phone over to the bed from yes. above and uh and it goes back when she goes to hang up the phone, it kind of swerves back to the phone. And it was a really striking shot. It was cool. I, I, I really dug it. And also her voice reminds me of uh, Megan Mullally. I think that's how you say her last name. Uh, Ron Swanson's real life wife. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. She just, I kept hearing her voice and I kept thinking of her and it's still, it's, it also still kind of fit because she could play that kind of character, you know? Yeah. Uh, she kind of looked like Sherilyn Fenn too. Yeah, uh, from Twin Peaks. I was, I I had to flip through and try and see if uh, she was related to her or something, but no, no relation. Yeah, um, but yeah, very very pretty girl. Like just also mm-hmm. not not like the other pretty girls we see at Twilight Zone. I don't know. It's just this one I, again. I'm infatuated, guys, so I'm biased. Um, <laughs> yeah, take that with a grain of salt. And uh, yeah, anyway, so uh, yeah, uh, he gets the card for a uh, Damon. Professor A. Damon. And, um, well, actually, no, I, I'm sorry. I, I guess I'm skipping ahead, right? Because he goes, tries to talk to Leela first, right? Um, 
No, I, I don't think he does. He just goes. <laughs> no, you're straight. right. You're right. I'm sorry. sorry. No, no, because like, okay, so it's a phone call, a business card, and then he ends up going there because uh, she won't give him the time of day, right? Because that phone call. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he he ends up just uh, going to the address on the card, and he walks up to a big, a big door that just says Professor A. Damon on it. So he knocks and the door just opens and he walks in and we get one of the coolest set pieces i think we've seen this season it's just this long slim room just with books and potions all over the walls well what'd you think of when he first opened the door because that's when you hear like the real jazzy score kick in and it just it opens the door to blackness and then the distance is the door to the library yeah like, I'm, I'm a fan it reminded me of get smart like kind of like when they go through all the doors and then I, but yeah, he opens up that door. And then there's the the super tall, like like double the height that you normally think of like library shelves. And it's just, it's a very small set, but it's 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 striking, and I love it. Yeah, well, and even the look of uh, the professor, he looks, and it's surprising that this was his only Twilight Zone credit because he fits right into the world. Mm-hmm. Like he's one of those perfect character actors that should have had a b- bigger career within the show. Um, I, I've part of my, um, while I was watching it, I was kind of, I was making it up that this is what Harry Potter ended up doing when he yeah, got old. Cause he has the, he has the scarf and he's, yeah. just, he's just, a, he's just an <laughs> asshole. And he's like, all right, here's all this magic. You know, it's not going to do you any good, but here you go. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, maybe I love it, it was just the scarf. Well, no, because it's like he are he knew like just the way he carried himself, and then that's the one thing that that um, no matter how much we talk about this, we're like I just go watch the episode because the dialogue is so just snapping, like point 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 point, and it's so good that I had a hard time picking anything because everything was awesome. Yeah, you know? yeah, it, especially his stuff. Yeah, um, really good. So yeah, he uh, he basically goes in there and tells him, I don't know why I'm here. And he's like, oh, well, I, I know why you're here. He knows everything that's going on, you know. So he's like, he keeps trying to offer him this, what he calls a glove cleaner for $1,000. And uh, he doesn't really tell him what it does. And he's just, it's a, it's glove cleaner. You know, that's what that's what I like to call it. <laughs> and he, it's, it's, it's kind of real sketchy sounding the way he describes it. Yeah. Because it just, it gets rid of your problems. It's very, like basically get the idea of this thing, it will do you know, it will do <laughs> amazing things. Maybe not the best things, but it will it will certainly do it. Uh, yeah. yeah, and and so yeah, the the uh, main character. I'm um, sorry, Roger. Uh, Roger. I, I keep wanting to call him Fry because of the girl's name Leela, and I, it feels yeah. very appropriate. Uh, yeah, Roger's like, well, I don't want that, but and, and like, but then he's like, but you look you look flush, you look troubled. Like, what's going on? And basically, then you find out he's like, well, there's this girl I like, and then at that point, Damon's just like, yeah, whatever. Here, here's what you're gonna want anyway. You know, he's already yeah, so he's resi- like the glove cleaner is a thousand dollars, love potion is a dollar. Just come on, <laughs> like, <laughs> and this is why I love the short story. This is basically where the short story ends. Okay. He's like, yep, I sell the love potion for a dollar and uh, everyone comes back. And it just ends with him like, thanks, bye. <laughs> and he leaves. And that's how the that's how short story ends. But I, I kind of like it because it leaves the rest up to your imagination and you know something bad's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's that's awesome. Um, yeah. And, and it's such a, like I said, it's such a good frame, uh, like framework for being able to tell the story in so many different ways. Yeah. 
I mean, it, it, it definitely feels like a play. Like, I mean, I know it's based on a, like it was like a, a short play, like a two act play or, or something to that effect when it was presented one of the times. Yeah. And, on the on the TV show it was written for. It was just it was just a stage play that they put on uh, like a, a variety hour show. Yeah. So, I mean, I could definitely see that, but I feel like there was some um, freedom because they knew they're shooting this for television and so they could show a couple of different things and some different transitions like um i i loved even again in the tight space there was some cool camera work moving around in the space as they're mm-hmm. talking and how they would switch like positions from like front to back in terms of like the conversation going on just it just shows you that when you think and plan blocking you can have a dynamic shot in just an area that's basically just a bunch of books and it was really cool yeah it's it, like I said, probably one of the more memorable scenes that we've seen this season so far. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, he gets the he gets the love potion as happy as can be. Uh, scores a minute or two of like convinces uh, Leela let him in to the apartment. Which hey, today, with my sensibilities, everything about that felt wrong. Like how he was kind of forcing himself in with a tiny bottle of champagne and some flowers. But it also felt wrong that she knew that she didn't care about him. But she's like, oh, well, you have things. You can come in for a minute. You know? Yeah, she kind of looks at the champagne again and is like, oh, all right. I'll chug the <laughs> champagne. <laughs> um, so then when she goes off to change, because he, uh, he was going to follow her into the bedroom. You know, did you see that? He's, she's like, I have to change. He's like, oh, OK. Like, that's just yeah. it was just like creepy, you know, but. I, I mean, I get that they're tra- they have only a couple minutes to sell his infatuation, but it just feels like, you know, now that we know what we know and how people should behave, there was red flags all over the place there. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it was weird. I mean, even the idea of a love potion is kind of uh, questionable to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> what, do you, uh, what do you mean? It's just like <laughs> drugging her drink as he's pouring it and pouring it in. It just uh, it felt wrong to me. And I and I know it's a different time. It was made kind of tongue in cheek, so I'll I'll let it go. But it's real questionable. Well, even to to back up a little bit, whenever uh, he asks Damon if it works, and he's like, "Yeah, it works." Um, but he basically he equated it to like the love of like a cocker spaniel. Like it will be like it will be unwavering and that kind of like you know attention all the time. But he definitely equated this to the love of a dog, and it was yeah. very like very snarky, and I loved it um yeah but yeah he pours the, he pours the thing in the um in the, the champagne goes over hands it to her i was worried that there was going to be you know some awkward switcheroo there um <laughs> and she drinks it and she wants to kick him out of the apartment immediately which you know as, as she should <laughs> yes as she probably shouldn't have let him in to begin with right he's gonna drug her drink uh yeah so he she he keeps like staring at her like is it working is it working? And she's like, uh, just get out. We're done. And he's like, can I have a kiss? She's like, no. <laughs> and finally she gives in and gives him a little peck. And uh, it, he's, she's about to push him out the door. And she's like, no, wait. And she goes in and goes for like a real kiss this time. And that's when the change happens. I, I did like how he played it there after he got dejected and was like, well, this isn't working. As he turned towards the door, and at first she's like, "No, I'm sorry for being mean to you." He's like, "No, I I understand." It was like that one moment of like, "You idiot! This is you're getting the thing that you want right now." Just like you know, like, but it was like that that well, moment of part of, like, of him. Part of him probably sorry for cutting you off. No, no. Um, part of him probably just figured like, of course this potion didn't work. 
You know, like yeah, Steve it was gives a me a card in a phone booth, and I go and buy a dollar uh, potion to pour in a drink. Like, of course, it didn't work. You know, yeah. so at that point, he probably just real uh, his it's, common sense kind of kicked in. He's like, I have whatever. Yeah, you know. Uh, but but then, but then the change actually happens, and he's like. <laughs> I love how she's like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and he's like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Well, she has that shawl on as she goes to the door. And then whenever she, like, you know, whenever it starts, the thing hits in full, she lets that shawl drop off of her, which is very suggestive. Yeah. Like, I mean, she's, there, there's, yeah. This is probably one of the more sexually suggestive episodes we've covered so far. And I was actually surprised with some of the references they were making subtly. <laughs> right i just that felt like basically someone's robe falling away that you see every time in a movie but yeah. they but they were able to do it because she's still wearing clothes but it showed the submission and i thought that was interesting yeah um but then but i also love too that that it, it, it um that the commercial happens and it cuts right to like you find out like what six months later like you, there's no no indication yet but it's later and um and so the, very smartly the episode goes to like the point of like, you know, obviously they're together. She, uh, and he's just sitting there reading a book, which this is one of the greatest sight gags I've seen so far in the series. Yeah. In his smoking robe. <laughs> yeah. Just <laughs> he's just reading a book and then he lowers the book and it's, she's sitting at his feet, staring at him with a smile on her face. And it's just the way it stays in frame was really well-timed. Like yeah. I, was, I was cracking up seeing that. There's a lot of good timing in this. And, uh, just to go back real quick with the flash forward six months, I I'm happy they did that. I was worried there was going to be just that abundance of let's see more of this. So let's see more infatuation, you know, and I, I thought it was going to slow the episode down. So the fact that, you know, just snap of a finger here we are, let's continue the story fast. Yeah. It's just, it's one of those twilight zone things. We continue continually praise the show for just, uh, having such a great sense of pacing, yeah, I, I'm I'm happy that they did that with uh, no unnecessary scenes in between. Yeah, this one was pretty lean, and I, I mean it worked in its favor. Um, did you notice that the boner hair made her look like a cat or a dog as she's sitting there staring at him? Like, it was, <laughs> nice. it, like it's very. I didn't um, notice that. It's very ear like, and she's just like, "Oh, do you want me to rub your feet? Do you want me to uh, get you your smoking pipe?" He's like, "No, no, um, the pipe it's not broken in right." And then she says, "Uh." Well, that's okay. I could just sit here at home and smoke all day while you're at work and make sure it's broken in. And it was amazing. I just loved like how ridiculous like the like the the subservience was or the love you know was. Yeah. Even even uh you know I mentioned the foot rubbing at the yeah, beginning. It's... Should probably bring that back up just so I don't sound like a weirdo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He she's like, oh, would you like me to get your slippers? And he he says, oh, now those make my feet too hot. So she's like, well, do you want me to go uh, hold some ice for a while to cool my hands down that I can rub your feet? <laughs> yeah, I can soak my hands in ice water and then caress them. Like, it's just, it was like, what? You know, and I, I loved I, I loved all that. Um, I also like that whenever he's like, no, 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 just go, uh, just go kneel elsewhere or go sit in that chair. And she's like, well, which chair? She's like, he's like, just pick one, you know, and like sends her over across the room, supposedly. And then he moves to the couch. And then she curls up on the couch beside him, like uh, like almost on like the back of the couch, like a cat, you know. And and it was yeah. just like, you know, am I bothering you? 
uh, did, did me asking you about bothering you bother you? Like, <laughs> um, I don't know how it played back then. The, the the those bits of comedy all felt modern to me, and it it was very absurd, and it cracked me up. Yeah, no, I thought it was funny. I thought she did a good job, but her character is just so hollow. Yeah, and she did the best she could with it, and uh, but I still. <laughs> It was just still uncomfortable to watch at times for me. Well, then, but it was funny. It was funny. And then he's like, oh, I have to go. She's like, well, do you want me to go with you? He's like, no, no, I'm, I'm good. And um, he's like, no, just stay here and, and hug my jacket. I'll be back. Yeah. Um, and just and it, There's a great moment of her kissing the door, too, yeah. as he closes it. And I just want to point out before we before I forget, um, when he does come back, she is hugging his jacket when he walks back in. <laughs> so it's like it was very... It was very ridiculous. So he runs back off to go uh, talk to a Damon. And that's also a really funny scene because he doesn't want to admit that he was wrong. You know, like that the, the potion does work and that he's looking to get the glove cleaner. Yeah. Uh, and there's that moment where he's a stack of books. And he's like, so how about that China situation? <laughs> he's trying to try and talk politics to this guy that has like a magic library full of potions. And I thought that was really funny. Yeah, so he finally gets the glove cleaner, and uh, he's already got a check made out for $1,000 yes. made to <laughs> Professor A. Damon. He's like, oh, good. Check's already made out. <laughs> yeah. And then you get the line, uh, they always come back for the chaser. You get the episode title there. You, I would argue that there that um, there's three chasers. Well, and, yeah, yeah, her. Yeah. Well, him at the beginning. Yeah. The potion, and then her chasing him. Yeah, yeah. for sure. There's, there's multiple meanings to that. But uh, yeah, I, lo- I loved his pausing of like first the stimulant, then the chaser, you know, and I loved. Yes, yeah. I, yeah, I just I also liked it, too, whenever um, uh, Roger uh, Fry wanted to. He handed him like the check and went to go grab the bottle out of his hand and the way he said, like, thank you. But he kind of like like whispered, talked it. I don't know how to describe that. It was a very stage move. And it wasn't like this. His acting is different than a lot of the acting we've seen where you have people that have been in radio and in like you know TV and movies, like mm-hmm. something about his his performance is very organic, and he, it was like it was I loved it. I loved that he was like there was you didn't have to overstate everything. Like his delivery was awesome. Same thing with uh, Damon. Yeah, well, well, the teleplay kind of being written like a stage play um, probably really helped him. It, it was something he could really grasp onto. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's so good. Like I just, uh, I know I'm, I know I'm gushing over this, but I, I, the moment I watched this episode, I'm like, I want to talk about it right now. Like I wanted, I wanted to text you and be like, can we please talk about this? But I had to wait. <laughs> um, so anyway, like, uh, so he goes back to his apartment with the chaser, which I, you know, are we, is it implied that this is just going to kill her or is it going to wipe her memory? We don't know for sure. Yeah. It's not actually. He, he doesn't explicitly say what it does. Mm-hmm. He just says it does amazing things. And you want to do it immediately. because <laughs> And you it's have going second, to fix things. <laughs> yeah. And if you have a second thought, you're not going to do it, is what he said, right? And so he goes back with the champagne. Uh, she's, she's hugging the jacket. And then she's lighting candles. And then she references exactly what had happened previously with the champagne. And at that time, I was really worried now that there was going to be the switch of the glasses. Because yeah, because he's kind of he's kind of jumping around to the other side of the couch, and then he falls over the back of the couch, and then he's spinning around. And I real I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, he's gonna drink it. Something's gonna happen. Yeah, and he's gonna be stuck. So I'm 
I'm happy what happened happens. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I know I always say that like I'm guilty of rewriting these episodes, and and I'm guilty of wanting like a more substantial ending. I was not substantial is not the right word. Like, I guess a darker ending. Sometimes this is one of those yeah. times where I didn't want. I didn't need a darker ending for this. I didn't need like, so I guess we'll just get to what happened. So he, they go to drink uh, the drink and she uh, calls him um, something and says something about a sweet little rabbit and then holds up a baby booty and he just basically drops the drinks and he's like, Oh, I couldn't have done it anyway. I couldn't have done it. So he's going to be a father. uh, And, and, and then off on the patio, for whatever reason you see uh, professor Damon smoking a cigarette and blowing out a smoke ring that becomes a heart. And that's the end of the episode. And I thought it was awesome. Yeah, I, I'm happy they added that little uh, period of him blowing out the puff of smoke on the patio. Because yeah. otherwise, I don't know how I would have felt about that. Um, yeah, I, I, I like the direction he took it, especially with that short story not really having an ending at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think this was really uh, a really good uh, take on that. Yeah, because I was worried that either he would accidentally drink the love potion and his his obsession would become like just too much and it'd be scary, or that um, that at the end like he would drink the the you know the glove cleaner and like die and now she has no one to love and it it, it consumes her like uh, those are the two things I was worried was going to happen, and even though he's still locked in his fate of having the thing that he thought he wanted and he really doesn't want it anymore and now couple that with a child coming like you know he he's you know he's basically becoming like al bundy before our eyes you know and just uh <laughs> and and because she's oh, you man. know with the exception of the loving of him she's very much peg you know like uh so we know his fate's already bad but uh, but i'm glad it didn't go like evil you know that's for once i'm, I'm glad yeah. it didn't go that way yeah, so I mean, basically, get that careful what you wish for. <laughs> yeah, ending that uh, Twilight Zone so good at. Yeah. Um, so, um, so the the other the other thing I was gonna bring up earlier, have you ever seen the uh, Tales from the Crypt episode Love to Death? No, but this this is uh, that was a, a take on this, right? Yeah, I don't know if it was officially credited because uh, it was in the comics in 1951, which was fears after the story was written. Um, I, I really love that episode of Tales from the Crypt. It takes place down in New Orleans in that area. And uh, the guy ends up going to a voodoo priestess and she gives him the love potion. Uh, she ends up dying and coming back as a corpse and is still obsessed with him. And she's just like a rotting corpse following him around. See, yeah. It's it's awesome. <laughs> that's kind of what I was like, kind of worried that this was going to become something like that. But I mean, that's good for Tales from the Crypt. That's perfect. Oh yeah, 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 and the the makeup uh, and everything for the corpse and that is incredible. Well, I actually had just rewatched that episode like maybe a month ago, <laughs> so it, it was crazy. I was sitting there, I was like, "Oh shit, yeah, <laughs> I just watched the story." <laughs> um, well, the idea of a love potion, like you mentioned, you know, as, as questionable it is now, that's something that shows up often, you know, yeah. and, and a lot of different stories and a lot of different movies, and it's always it always causes shenanigans, you know, like there's never, there's never a happy ending with a love potion. No, no. Um, actually just this year, there's a kind of interesting film. It's been getting, uh, very mixed reviews. I kind of liked it. It was called the love, Witch. it was basically a, it was the opposite of this. It was a female character who was trying to, she was obsessed with getting the love of men. 
So she was always picking up guys and giving them the love potions. And they would end up falling in love with her, her so hard that they would get sick and die. Oh, wow. And it just kept happening over and over again. So it was kind of the reverse of this, a little bit darker. But I, I actually I do recommend the film. A lot of people have not liked it, but I reviewed it on Film for Thought a few months ago. And uh, definitely fits right in with this episode. Well, that that almost reminds me a little bit of like the hunger, right? Where it's like you put this uh, passion in somebody and it just burns them up. And yeah, that's kind of that's dark, but it's also like you. That's the one thing you want is this all encompassing, you know, fire, and you get it. It's not going to last long, but you get it. You yeah. know, that's that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I the movie's kind of over <laughs> overly long, but it, it's got an amazing look to it. It's shot like. Like a late 60s, early 70s, I, I, I would say almost like a hammer film. Real soft focus. Um, sort of a period piece. Uh, yeah, if you want to hear me talk about that, go listen to the <laughs> Film for Thought review. We go on for about 45 minutes on yeah, that I was gonna thing. Say, just tell me word for word what you said previously. No, yes. uh, <laughs> no that sounds cool. Like I, Yeah, um, it's interesting. Uh, you know, if anything, it's really pretty to look at well sometimes that's that's good enough and, and like this episode i i am putting this in my my favorites of the season one i'm always going to be a sucker for uh like snappy dialogue also the the soundtrack was awesome and the yeah, visuals that's, that's definitely uh, a high point for me in this one the, this the visual of him opening the door and then going into the library was so cool and then then damon uh you know just his his character and then um you know i just it, this is just it's not a perfect episode of twilight zone i guess i don't know how what you call call you know call it perfect i think perfect has like like um more darkness to it right um, yeah for the yeah, most for part me at least you know um and, and there is some darkness here but it isn't it's kind of pushed to the sides and, and i yeah. still yeah. i would say really the only darkness in this is uh the mystery surrounding the glove cleaner <laughs> yeah because there are some uh you know we don't actually ever see what it does and he's really cryptic about what it may or may not do well and then i even forgot to mention here you find out that uh damon uh invented it for himself because he used a love potion and he's like well i know it works because i had to make it for myself so it's yeah. like it's implied that because it's implied that he's living alone now because he got what he wanted but then had to find a way to stop it and you don't know what that means and I thought that was uh, interesting. Does that mean? Does that mean he killed Hermione? <laughs> yeah, just uh, uh, him and Ron later on. You still know what happened there. Uh, <laughs> uh, see, my my knowledge of Harry Potter is so limited. I'm just like, oh, what's that redheaded kid's name? Oh yeah, Ron. That's, I, that's yeah. as far as I could go as <laughs> Harry Potter. <laughs> Harry Potter and the Chaser, or whatever the, the the glove cleaner, the secret of the glove cleaner. That's the book you hadn't seen. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just thought this was cool. And then also with, um, with having these companion books to read now, it does give a little bit of, uh, more context like, uh, Hayes, uh, uh, this mentioned here, he decided that Roger departs from reality when he visits the professor and he said the scene should be out of the ordinary. He's like, we built this narrow set with very high bookcases and they put, um, they put a light there so you could see through, which you don't normally see with the books with in profile. And the more stuff he did like this. Uh, no one questioned him, and and he said, "Any other, any other thing I ever done?" They'd say, "Why?" And he said, "Everyone else was like, let's just do it that way." And they, they were just all on board for everything he wanted to do. And I thought that was kind of neat. 
Yeah. Um, well, it works great with the ending with uh, the professor disappearing in the chair. Yeah. Having that otherworldly vibe when he goes into his, uh, I don't know what you want to call it. Uh, <laughs> Punishment phase. I don't know what you call it. Yeah, that. I don't know. <laughs> it, just, it really works. It definitely does. And yeah, my only my only two problems with this episode, it's it's kind of bumbling after he gets the card and why he even shows up there. Mm-hmm. I'll let it go because it's Twilight Zone and, you know, it's fate, whatever. It just, it happens. We got to move the episode along. And then her character is just kind of bothersome to me. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> just because, it, it, you know, it's, especially nowadays, like seeing a story like this, it's just, it's questionable. Her character is really hollow. And like you said, just the comparisons to her being like a dog and everything it just it didn't sit completely well with me yeah but but it is a really fun episode i'll um, give it that i can relate with like being fascinated or infatuated with someone but not really them more like the idea of them and i feel like that's kind of what he was doing and i could you know that but that sounds like you know like late teens early 20s to me versus like you know like later on that becomes a problem you know but uh I, I don't know. I it was very identifiable for me, but very questionable. Um, I I don't know. I just it, since we we have seen a number of episodes here where either we've seen them before, so we kind of know how we feel about them, or like I'll even say not to to give Hayes more praise here, and that rhymed by accident. Um, like something like Elegy, that like uh, it even though it took my second viewing to really like fall in love with it. You were like you we didn't know what it was. And you yeah, and you yeah. loved it, you know, and and that was such a wonderful surprise. This one was a wonderful surprise for me because I was smiling the entire time watching this episode. Not that I'm not entertained by the Twilight Zone, but like this was generally funny to me, and I was I was yeah. entertained the entire time. And yeah, yeah. and it, it definitely was predictable. I mean, it, again, sitting here so many years removed and seeing stories like this all the time, uh, it's predictable, but. It is really fun to see how it unfolds. Yeah, which is definitely a compliment. So I just, I thought it was funny. Um, the the of the two books here, the Twilight Zone Companion, one written by Mark Scott Zakri. When I was reading, uh, his take on the things, he didn't like this episode, and I and he, like what the reason I mentioned is because he talks about the effect of the heart being blown out the smoke and how they did it. And he mm-hmm. wrote here, and I quote, a clever bit of camera magic in an episode with little magic itself. And I'm like, what happened? Aww. I was just like, that's, I don't know what it was. Like, I was like, I was enamored with this. And I'm like, but this guy who who wrote a book, took the time to write a book, didn't like the episode. I thought that was kind of kind of interesting because it's like I was yeah. over the moon and he just didn't care for it. I can understand, though, because the, the more you think about this episode, the, uh, I, I don't know, the simpler it becomes. Mm-hmm. The uh, more troublesome it becomes <laughs> when you overthink it, and I, I can definitely sit, sit, see sitting down writing a book and going through these episodes with a fine tooth comb that you it, it would be very easy to lose the magic on these type of episodes. Yeah, I, I just but I think of like, like yeah. with like Damon, he he is very much like of of the antagonists that we've seen that have offered deals or or things this the seasons because you had like mr fate you had mr death uh catawalter and yeah. mr pip right and it's like like i just feel like a damon is like, i feel like he like, yeah he's up there oh definitely goodness. top three for me yeah and it's just and i know that's a, like it's a character that we come back to because you sometimes you got to have like the devil's offer right you got to be like here you go like if you really want this i can give it to you um but just i 
I just was not, I don't know. It's just one of those ones that caught me flat footed and I was just like, this was awesome. So maybe if I watch it again, like later, it, it will, you know, maybe not be as great, but I was, well, I was entertained. I loved it. You don't need an excuse to love it. Yeah, that, that's, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no, I, it's definitely a really fun episode and, uh, the problems I have, you know, it's, it's of the time. You kind of turn your brain off a little bit to those things, and it is honestly funny most of the time. Yeah, just especially with her. Like, do you want me to dunk my hands in ice water and then you know, <laughs> massage your it's feet? It's just the lengths that you would go, you know, it gets to the point where it's just, it's goofy. Yeah. And she does a great job with it, and I know I said it earlier with her just not having too much to do, but what she does with it is really great. Yeah. Absolutely. So I, I dug it. Um, so, uh, real quick, cause it, like, uh, we've been talking about this for a while because I love it. Uh, I wanted to find some more information about love potions and it's weird because you try to Google that it doesn't come up with specific information, oddly enough. Uh, but I did find a story, <clears throat> excuse me, that happened, um, in January of 2016 in Singapore where <laughs> it says here, he wanted to make his colleague fall in love with him. So he added bits of quote unquote, love potion into her water bottle uh this former technical support officer at um whatever place of work this is he this guy was 43 was given a maximum of a 1500 fine uh because he poisoned his 30 year old colleague by um putting uh what was it uh xylene and haloperidol which are poisons into her water bottle because he was told it was a love potion oh jeez, and uh and she uh, was. She told the police that her throat became dry and that she could not think clearly after drinking the water. Xylene uh, or Zalazine, I guess how you pronounce it, is a sedative and muscle relaxant. So I guess that's a love potion. It's used in veterinary medicine. Um, and then let's see here. Uh, Haloperidol is an antipsychotic drug, so it's supposed to be for treating schizophrenia. So he just put that in her water bottle and was like hoping, right? Okay. And it's like, uh, and I also think fifteen hundred dollar fine. Is uh, it's pretty light for that, right? But it's over, uh, it's over overseas, right? So what their laws are, I don't know. But the guy lost his job, and he was also married at the time. But he he is uh, he said he is asexual, so he and his wife have never actually consummated their marriage. But some reason he wanted to have this person in his office fall in love with him. So this seems like this should become a movie that I would watch. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Weird. I mean, that's that's the extent of somebody. I I have this pill. They told me to drop into the drink and you'll fall in love with me. <laughs> right. And it says here, the last line was for his negligent act, endangering human life. Let me rephrase that. Not rephrase. Let me underline endangering human life. He could have faced up to three months in jail. <laughs> Jeez. Could have. Could have, but didn't. So, yeah, just poisoning your coworkers, hoping they'll fall in love with you. I just like. Perfect. You know, yeah, it's whatever. Um, so that's probably a darker ending for the story than this one was. But uh, love potion. Yeah, I think it's rufinol. Rufinol. Is that what? It's? Date rapinol? I don't know. Did I just put that up there. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> uh, this 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 drug's called Yolo. I don't know. I'm just going to put it in here. Uh, so, um, yeah, I uh, I'm trying to think of like what what oh, my terrible. favorite uh, favorite We're terrible people. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Uh, just t- just take a drink. You'll be fine. Um, I'm just trying to think of like other instances of, of love potion, the things that I've seen that I've liked a lot. And the only other thing that comes to mind is that episode of, uh, is it season one or two of uh, Rick and Morty where Morty gets the love potion from, from Rick and he goes to the high school dance and it mutates because of the flu virus. 
and oh, it, yeah. And it's, I yeah, think that's season one. Yeah. Season one. And it just gets crazy. But it, it's, uh, it's, 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 an, it's a fun trope if it's done right. It's a lazy trope if it's not done right. And so, but I feel like this, I, I like this episode. Um, but yeah. Uh, well, from what I read, it's not the last time we'll talk about love potions on <laughs> the show. I'm sure. Um, yeah. All right. So yeah, let's just, we'll, we'll get to the twist for what little there is. I, you know, I'm not, the only thing I'm giving a twist on and it's a two is just finding out that Damon invented the glove cleaner for himself. So okay. even, even he knew yeah. He, he knew what was about to happen and he's resigned to that and it's almost kind of like no matter what i tell you that's what's going to happen anyway i kind of like that yeah uh, like i said it's a predictable episode but it is fun to watch it unfold the ending didn't quite go where i thought it was going to so i'll give it credit there it ultimately ended up where i thought it would go <laughs> but yeah. uh yeah, I, I really thought the drinks were going to get switched or something. So the fact that she pulled out the baby booty and everything kind of caught me off guard. So, um, yeah, I'm going to match you with the two. Yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't totally earth shattering, but it, it was fun. It ends almost the same way. Not not the same way, but abruptly like uh, a nice place to visit where it's like joke and out, you know, and it's like it's very I, I guess those kind of I kind of like those more as opposed because sometimes it's like you build up to a punchline you know and this one was kind of like all right now you're now your uh your troubles doubled so to speak because you have a kid and then you have damon kind of winking at you and then disappearing and that was all in a matter of like 30 seconds you know and i, and I thought that was awesome yeah yeah i i really enjoyed this episode i you know i i tend to lean towards the darker episodes just being such a big horror movie fan and so part of me wish it went darker, but at least I have that Tales from the Crypt episode. So <laughs> that's fair. Um, <laughs> if, if if I really want to watch a story with the darker twist, I'll just go there again. Well, but I mean, how how much more like versus like last week with uh, or last episode, uh, uh, Stop at Willoughby. Yeah, that, that's not really. I mean, other than the fact that the guy dies at the end, that's not really like the dar- a, a super dark episode, you know, and um, other than the stresses of life. Well, you know, it's yeah. The rest of the episode isn't dark, but the whole uh, ambulance carrying him away, or the that's fair. Uh, what do you call it? And everything, hearse, and him yeah. committing suicide, and everything for such a almost magical episode of him waking up in the 1800s on a train. You know, just to find out that he jumped off a bridge at the end. It's one of those just sobering endings that Serling does that you're like, oh god. <laughs> that's <laughs> I was I was really enjoying this. I was I was feeling all magical and happy and then <laughs> dude jumped off a bridge. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> like that I just I love that kind of thing that Serling did. And again, he didn't write this teleplay, so it's it's not something I can compare to another Serling teleplay. I feel like Roger wanted to jump off a train at the end of this episode, if that means anything. <laughs> yeah. Um at least it didn't fall through a window. <laughs> yeah. Um, or, or drink some gun fixer well, by accident. It, it wasn't written later. by Beaumont, so he didn't fall to, fall out a window. Yeah, right. Um, all right. So, yeah, that's that's going to do it for this. This is a longer episode, so I apologize, everybody. But I just was really wanting to talk about this. Not that I don't want to talk about any of the episodes we watch, but, like, I, again, I, I'm smitten. Like this thing, it, it cast a spell on me, and I loved it. So, yeah, it's it's an easy watch. Yeah, it's, and it's. it's like next week, I'll be like, "Hey, do you want to talk about the Chaser again?" You'll be like, "No, Paul." I'll be like, "No, I really want to talk about the Chaser again." 
we can go back to it at the end again. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll just go through all the series again and see how we feel the second time. Yeah. There you go. That would be the, yeah. Everybody like, hey guys, welcome. It's season one, episode one again. No, uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, let's 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 get out of here. So, Kevin, how can people get a hold of us? Uh, you can find us on Facebook, uh, Strange Highways Podcast, and have some discussions on there. Paul's always posting great stuff up there. You can email us at strangehighwayspodcast at gmail.com. Next week is actually our year anniversary of starting the show. So if you want to leave us some voicemails, uh, let us know how we're doing. Let us know what you think of the show. Let us know what you think of any of the episodes. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, or send us just an email. We'll read it on there. Um, and if you want to rate and review us, we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. It would really help us out if you'd leave us a five-star review on there. Absolutely. Especially for our birthday. Go leave us five stars for our birthday. That'd be great. Yeah. Uh, next episode is A Passage for Trumpet. I don't know anything about this episode other than Jack Klugman is in it, and that's Oscar Madison from The Odd Couple. And that makes me very happy because I love him. So um, we'll see how, how that goes. Um, yeah. Well, I, I think it has something to do with the whole world being still again. So yeah. I think Elegy is going to be coming up Yeah. Uh, again next week. There we go. So, all right. So that's going to do it for us this week. Um, have a safe week. I'm going to go dunk my hands in some ice water so I can uh, cool off the rest of this episode. Yeah, just don't be putting anything in any uh, ladies' drinks, please. Am I disturbing your reading? No, no, no. Did I disturb you by asking you if I was disturbing? No, 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 dearest, not at all. Oh, Roger.